Hey everyone, and welcome to an eventful life with Brad Cox and Shane Buzzer. I'm Brad. And I'm Shane. An eventful life is the podcast where we take you on a journey through eventful lives of inspirational event leaders from around the world. That's right, Brad. We'll be sharing their stories, impact, and insight into the complex world of events. So if you like these stories, don't forget to like, subscribe, and share with your mates. This is An Eventful Life. G'day, Buzz. How are you, mate? I'm good. How are you doing? Yeah, all right, all right. Another busy week, I assume, in your wonderful life of events. It is a busy week, but I mean, I don't want to touch on some boring work stuff. Let's talk more about what you're doing at the moment, which is coming in through Zoom in Bali. Is that right? Oh, look, yes, you, I've been busted. So uh, I'm on family vacation of all places, but uh, couldn't miss out on this. But yes, I am in sunny Bali. Uh, the sun's out rather than the cold of Melbourne. So uh, I'm uh, just back from the breakfast buffet, mate. I'll be yeah, yeah. in about half an hour's time. We, we don't care. That's no, <laughs> joking. That's awesome. Um, <laughs> yeah, but in saying that, anyway. Well, in saying that, we haven't done this before. So, um, you know, if you get a bit carried away, we can just hit the mute button on this one. Is that right? And, and then you're out? I'm That's- sure you will. No, yeah, you won't it's, do that. it's the buzz show today, mate. Well, let's so, see how we go. But uh, no, over you go. Do, do uh, your intro. Buzz, today we're talking the commercial world of international events. Our guest is currently the development director for RG Live, a division of Sony Music, producing and promoting over 600 events worldwide, including the current global tour of Lightscape. Would you please welcome all the way from London, England, Mr. Johnny Marks. Welcome, mate. Boys, it's great to be here. I've got to tell you, this is a... First time for me doing this. Normally, I'm put in front of a camera, uh, told it's live, and you've got 30 seconds to say everything you know. So having a bit of time to have a chat is fantastic. So thank you very much for having me. No, you, you're built for the TV camera, clearly. You're a handsome unit, so <laughs> yeah, uh, you're on. a bit of a waste here in a potty. But uh, no, thank, thanks for coming along and being a part of this. It's very exciting. No worries. I, and I, I've been in Australia now what, for a month. I've got a couple more days going. So I feel semi-native. Yeah, um, but I think ready to ready to head home. Okay, uh, the, the cold weather. You're missing out on the uh, the European summer, mate. Yeah, come on, it's the ashes kicking off today. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah. Oh, yes. I'm in the wrong country. Oh. Need to go back home very quickly. Now that I know you're into uh, the cricket, lucky, we, lucky we're doing this now and not in five days' time. Yeah, <laughs> true. No, we'll be right. Hey, Johnny, you've later. been involved in the uh, commercial and development side of events for for fifteen odd years. As a commercial guy, um. You could have chosen a range of different industries. So why events for you and what has kept you engaged in this industry over time? It chose me. I didn't choose it. I came across it. That's a common answer. (laughs) Wow, yeah. Uh, Yeah, I mean, that's a bit of a story. I mean, I had a broad commercial um, career. Uh, I was working in the gardens um, in London called Kew Gardens. And um, which is a wonderful, wonderful organisation. I spent seven years there, and quite frankly, we needed more people there. Okay. Um, and we were looking at ways to do it. You know, gardens around the world are publicly funded. Traditionally, that, um, that funding's been declining and needs to find alternative ways to bring money in and bring a new audience in. Um, so I explored ways in which to do that. And the obvious starting place was the evening time at winter because it was shut. Right. Which opened up a window, I guess, for you to... Opened up a window to say, what what can we do to to show the gardens in a new way? So um, I explored different things. I met different producers, different designers, 
and through that came uh, with the pros with Christmas at Q, which was cold, cold, <laughs> <laughs> wet, windy. But the British public are used to that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So um, yeah, we started that now ten and a half years ago. Wow. Um, and it was from day one. It just caught us off guard. We were expecting sixty thousand people, one hundred and thirty thousand people turned up. That's awesome. Um, it, it was nuts, and we're very fortunate that every year it just sells out and is has won all sorts of awards in terms of London's number one thing to do at Christmas. Um, so that was what over ten years ago, um, and then I, I brought on a promoter. Um, to work with because the trustees at the time said this is a big risk we need an external some external expertise to share that financial risk but also to bring a new audience in but how did you i mean sorry to cut in sure johnny but you know you mentioned that you're expecting sixty thousand. even that's really optimistic you know what what made you believe that you're onto something here and that you know maybe you were you'd found a gap in the market for that christmas period uh it's a it's a good question it was (laughs) I mean, a lot of these things come down to gut feel and particularly when you're starting something from scratch. Um, It was a conversation I had with someone working in Missouri Botanical Gardens who did a Chinese lantern festival, which was not the same as what we were doing. But she said, this is a game changer. Right. So I got her designer to come over to the UK, design something for us. And they saw that and said, that is absolutely not us. But how can we create a version which fits in our landscape? And did, did you kind of, you talk about gut feel, was the gut feel that there was an appetite for this, that just you, know, you were the ones that were going to be a part of launching it into the UK at that time or around Christmas Oh, time? Jesus, we keep on saying with the events world, it's an educated punt. Yeah. Yeah, you know, <laughs> it, it, there's, no, there's no precise formula. And God, we're in, this year we'll be in 35 cities around the world, well over 3 wow. million people attending. But it's not a straight line up. You know, you make decisions every day and hopefully the majority are right. But we've gone to places and it hasn't necessarily worked. Kew Gardens was just, I was working there. So had a pretty good feel of the audience profile and that there would be um, a level of hopefully demand (laughs) demand there. Yeah, but then you take the plunge. And sorry, remind me, what year was that? Uh, That was 10 years ago. Okay. Yeah, 10 and a half years ago. Yeah, and it, never true. I mean, it, it's it's about building the right people around you. So, early days, I needed to find the people who would buy into that. So the main people are were um, Zoe and Ian, who head up our production operation company, Culture Creative, who just understood what it was required to work in that environment to design something which was in keeping and appropriate for a World Heritage site with listed buildings. And then Anthony, who is my colleague now, who understood that as well and understood from a commercial promoting business, it wasn't money first, working in an environment like that. It was quality first. Right. And prepared to play the long game. Okay, which is important. Entirely. So, you know, I met with all the main promoters out there, but he was the one who I could look in the eye and said, yeah, you get it. And so when you look at an event and its commercial value now even so, but during that sort of time frame of building the event, what are some of the key indicators you consider in determining its potential for success? Oh, I mean, in terms of do we, in terms of, do we go into a new territory or not? 
and how well, to yeah, evaluate whether you've got it. New territory or whether it's worth the investment for the promoter, sort of one of some of those sort of key considerations that you need to evaluate now. Yeah, you know, um, I guess there is the tangible and there's the less tangible. So um, let's say we're approaching a new country or new city. We'll look at what else is going on there. What what is that audience doing? How much are they spending to do it? Um, so if that's from a, from a commercial perspective, and obviously the, the size of audience, then there's the really the intangible, which which is the key. It's it's finding the venue, but then most importantly, you know, we work in these amazing venues, amazing botanical gardens around the world. And you've got to look at these people in the eye and say, are we going to be able to work together? Are you going to really partner with us to make that happen? Um, that is the number one fact. You can't I'll say to my guys, we're not selling ourselves. We're looking for those partnerships because that will create longevity. I've no interest in going somewhere for a year. It's just too yeah. much time and effort for that. So we have these really long-term relationships where we're equal partners with those venues where you can sit around the table and we all have a shared interest in making it happen. So that that's the intangible. That's probably the most important thing in terms of making it happen around the world. Have you had to walk away from some over the journey in terms of places where you would have loved to have done the event but gone through that process and gone, it's just not going to work for us? Oh, sure. I mean, some people just won't take our calls. It took me five years to get into Brooklyn Botanical Gardens. Um, but the gardens uh, were so magnificent that you just got to play the long game. But sometimes it needs a change of personnel or change of objectives or something fundamentally shift in there. But, uh, and sometimes it happens really quickly. So Brisbane came to us oh, 10 weeks ago and we're delivering an event there in September. Wow. Okay. Wow. Yeah. And in, in the instance of Brooklyn, you know, you, you say, you mentioned what a beautiful space it is and it took you so long to, to, to make that work. Was that just about, I guess, being put in front of the right person or being connected with the right person who understood what you were bringing in and could, I guess, I don't know, see the vision? Yeah, it's a combination of things. Yeah. It, it's timing, it's willingness, um, it's where we were at. So we had more venues in in the US by then, so we'd had a, a US team. So he had runs on the board in the country, you mean, yeah. Runs on the board, there we yeah. go. He's, yeah. got, he's warming up for the ashes already. Oh, sure. Certainly, yeah. Uh, <laughs> the reason I ask that, Johnny, is because, you know, a lot of our listeners are in the events industry and sometimes you get a bit disheartened if, if you're getting knockbacks or just not getting in front of the right person. So this is really good to know. Oh, sure. It happens every day. Yeah. And what we see sometimes as obvious opportunities, unless your potential partner is seeing as that, it's... There's only so much you can do. Um, so, I mean, that's why I'm here. I've, you've got to get out and meet people and look people in the eyes and build those relationships. And sometimes, and yeah. yeah, and sometimes <laughs> that doesn't translate to uh, yes, let's proceed straight away. But you've started, you've started something, and you're building a confidence. And then you say, well, come and come and see what we do. Come and meet the other people we work with, and let's build a relationship. I mean, ultimately, we're spending. Um, all our days with people we want to find like-minded yeah. people who we enjoy spending time with um and those relationships do take time sometimes i don't think we've said it before you know we're such a personal business you know in a personal industry that you know we rely on each other it's a service-based industry so if you can't collaborate and work together it's just going to fail no matter how many objectives and planning you do if you can't work as one team um and come together then it's not going to be a success 
Yeah, it's relationship first. It's quite, well, it's customer first, relation yeah. <laughs> equal to the relationship. It's never money first. Money first will catch you out instantly because, mm. yeah. you know, your, your shortcut, the customer experience will be devalued and it's you'll be there and gone in a year. I want to be working with people in 10 years' time. Yeah. And, and interestingly, talking about people, you know, in 2016, he moved over to Raymond Gabay as an international company owned by Sony Music, you know, promoting over 600 events and music productions each year. How do you manage navigating those varying projects and priorities and ensuring commercial, commercial success for a variety of stakeholders and people across the business overall? Oh, great question. Try, try hard, work hard. Uh, <laughs> okay, so initially... Um, it's myself and my colleague and Zoe, who I mentioned before, who need to be the face of the company. So we, we established the business in each country we go to to understand it. We then put in place, once it's established, we, so for example in America, where we started off in one venue which is in Chicago, which I managed, once that business is established and then growing, we, we put in a dedicated team. And it needs to be a local team who understands yeah how that how the nuances within each of those countries so we've got a a full-time team in um in america we've got a team obviously in in uk and we've got a growing team in australia um as you might imagine we're i mean we're only in five countries we haven't touched the sites and we've got ambitions to be in um considerably more countries so um, it's about establishing a foothold and then putting a team in place to do it a vast majority of what we do and we deliver is working with local supply base. And am I right, Johnny, in saying that even though it's a big company, that's still a big risk. You know, if you're constantly hiring teams in those cities, which are, you know, that's salaries, that's overheads, that's constant investment, it's a risk. But it's a calculated risk, obviously. But uh, we've yeah. got enough of a base now yeah. where one event in itself, I mean, we're not a linear line upwards in terms of success. Yeah, right. You're not going to hit. Um, home run in, in everywhere you go. Oh God, we've had some we've had some challenges out there, but unfortunately now we've got enough of a base, and we've got some established events around the world, including here, thankfully in Melbourne, which is huge. So we've got sort of a cornerstone within those thirty five, which touch wood are pretty much guaranteed every year to sell out. So that gives us confidence in terms of warehouse and levels um, of investment in each territory and where, where to go. But it's, yeah, it, it's, it has its challenges. You know, there's only so much you ask, how do you determine where, where to go? You do all the research you possibly can, but um, my word, it it's not, <laughs> it doesn't always come to fruition, both good and bad. I mean, Melbourne last year, was just a complete sellout. We yeah. never anticipated that. And so, you, you know, obviously you've mentioned Melbourne, which is a great segue. We're, we're in a, a Melbourne-based show and all, most of our listeners are here in Australia. Lightscape, how's it going? You've, you've just opened. Uh, tell us about, I guess, the formation of that event here and, and how it's yeah. progressing. So it started off because Tim, who's the CEO in the gardens I used to work with at Q, which is often the way you pick up your yeah. phone book about, you know, um, so fortunately, he took my call, but that was, um, and then COVID hit. So we had a full, we had a full show designed and ready to go, uh, and then put it back by two years for obvious reasons. Mm -hmm. um, so launched last year, uh, and it was just, it was just phenomenal. Uh, it was our best ever first year event. 
Wow. I mean, I think it's in the public domain. We got uh, close to a quarter of a million people there. God, the Melbourne audience, did they go for it? We go to everything. Wow. <laughs> and they just, you just told, people who came told everyone else. Yeah. And it just, the momentum took over. It was, it was phenomenal. So um, we've gone from Melbourne to now operating in Sydney as mm-hmm. part of Vivid. Um, and then we've, um, we've launched in Perth, which opens tonight. Uh, Brisbane, I mentioned earlier, which kicks off in September. And then we've launched something entirely new in Sydney, um, which is called Dark Spectrum, which is in the Wynyard Tunnels um, in central Sydney, and which is something completely different, um, which was brought to us um, with Culture Creative um, from Mandy Lights, who's an Australia producer and creator. Uh, and that is um, that's a very different audience. Um, so playing loud and in your face music, bringing in the Instagram yeah. um, brigade. That's going. That's going great guns. Um, and it's we've wanted it quite some. Very cool. It is really very cool. cool. Um, quite some for quite some time we've wanted to do something where we're not reliant on good weather. Yeah, that would be nice, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, interesting. Yeah, what we do. Interestingly. Um, in terms of the Melbourne success in particular, I know we're a bit Melbourne-centric in some ways in terms of our thinking, but for, for an international to come into Melbourne and have such success, why do you think it was so successful in, in Melbourne in general compared to, say, other cities around the world? And is that a rarity in what you've come across working globally? Uh, it's a combination of factors why it was so successful. Uh, firstly, the gardens are wonderful. They're located in a fantastic position yeah. where people can walk to it, not reliant on public transport. Um, secondly, Culture Creative delivered a product which was great for that audience, just understood the audience and delivered exactly what they were looking for. Thirdly, the team there were great. Um, so were a complete partnership from, from the start. So um, really have promoted the event. And, you know, these things are not plans over a couple of days. It's all year round. And they, their team really engaged in that from the start. Um, yeah, and then the, and then the audience took over. As I said, said before, it, you know, it's your dream audience in that they tell people and they communicate yeah. and they post on social media. It has, I mean, it's very different to um, the UK. Is that people leave it late to buy tickets here? Mm. You got to really hold your nerve in Australia. So we sell up to fifty percent of the tickets for a night within the twenty-four hours prior yeah. to that night. In the UK. In some events, I'm sold out in September for December. It is an issue that um, I, I especially encounter with clients who get very nervous about ticket sales and I have to constantly reinforce. So I'm glad you, you, you pointed that out here. Yeah. It's, it's tough. We're, you know, we're pacing up and down, but there's no point spending early. You've got to hold your nerve. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's a changing tough. thing um, from post-COVID uh, as well. You know, like pre-COVID, everyone was very organised and, and planned out their year, so to speak. Whereas now, post-COVID, it's it's very reactive. It's you know, people are still within that short time frame, even at a corporate level, you yeah. know, and and at a public level, it's less than six weeks from from a general uptake. Uptake. I don't know what your numbers look like, but I know a, num- a number of other major events are less than thirty percent sold out six weeks before their before their event, and multi-million dollar they, you know stakes in the in the game, and then they're just running right to the finish line but it still works um but you're right you got to hold your nose and that's tough for a promoter really to take tough off. so for melbourne last year on launch we would have sold 15 percent of the total tickets wow. we sold in total 
Australia is the extreme. Okay. So um, UK, as I mentioned, they're buying months in advance. We go on sale eight months before, and we'll see. And people, the regulars, will buy tickets on that on that day. Um, America more last minute, but not as severe as Australia. Do you think uh, yeah. some of the success also, I mean, you mentioned partnerships constantly in, in this podcast so far, which obviously is so important and working with uh, the Botanical Garden, the city of Melbourne as a partnership rather than just say a venue who are, you know, opening their doors for you. Does that make a real difference in the processes and, and making this event such a success? Well, for us, it's our USP. Yeah. Is uh, these are world-class venues. Unbelievable. I mean, I worked in that environment, so I feel very passionate about Botanical Gardens and their value in society um and um it it's absolutely you know you don't see our name front and center you see the name in the venue and that's entire, entirely on purpose people want to engage in that venue have a passion for that venue um but it's also where i find it really rewarding is we're bringing a new audience into them so last year in melbourne over fifty thousand people had never been to the gardens before yeah and that's one, and, that, and you really hope they're going to come back during the year and build um, a relationship with the gardens, which I have for life. I love that because you're right. I mean, we are so blessed to have that in our backyard in the middle of the city. So, uh, re- really, yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, you go around the world, and a lot of botanical gardens are outside the city centre, yeah. um, which you have to inevitably drive to. So, God, parking becomes a whole other uh, other challenge. Melbourne don't have to worry about that. Mm. Yeah. And working on international events, you know, in different countries and cultures, what are some of the compromises you need to consider in, in those different regions, but also be able to maintain your consistency and standards? Oh, geez. I mean, culturally, you you work in the UK, you work in Australia, you work in America, you work in, in, in Europe. You've almost, yes, we've got some foundation principles <laughs> but, but, but you've really got to learn the how it works culturally, delivery-wise. Um, you know, America, each each state is working in, like working in a different country as yeah, well. It is um, very different um, expectations, ways of working. If I took what we had have in texas and put it in melbourne uh, they wouldn't be inviting me back you know we've got <laughs> cowboy hats on cactus there well I'd, I'd enjoy that it'd be heaps of fun but no i know what you mean bonnets, yeah. <laughs> you know so yeah, totally. and is that part of the strategic decision then to, to engage the local companies and local employees and local teams versus trying to run everything say out of the uk gotta be yeah it's got to be yeah. about personal personal relationships and it's also about engaging local supply base which has got to be a good thing particularly if you're involving local councils. We also work with local artists. So wherever we go, awesome. we're reaching out. So in, in Melbourne, you'll see a lot of local artists. A whole soundtrack last year was delivered by a local artist. Um, so that also provides a, a tie. It's just we've got one, um, one criteria we look out for, and it's just got to be good enough. Well, it also creates opportunities within that city with the local artists, as you mentioned. Am I right in saying it? it uh, really absolutely. brings that in. Yeah. yeah. In terms of employment, obviously, we're yeah. employing the local production team, um, local supply base, stewarding. Um, although um, you do have a POM working Melbourne at the moment. My daughter has come over. Ah, nice. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It's great to see her every night. Um, but that, that's. Um, 
that's f- fantastic to provide a meaningful difference to the local economy. Yeah. And, to, you know, to get... does, that help, does that help the sell as well, mate? Sorry to interrupt you there, but does that help in terms of the, the pitch into new cities and stuff to say, hey, we're going to utilise it and sort of make an impact into that local economy? It, no, it does. I mean, the first thing we do in every event is we have a preview night where we invite all the staff and their family and friends. So last night in Melbourne, we had close to 2,000 people in there. They, they're your supporters. They're your voice out there. They do yeah. anything more than we can do in terms of doing a bit of press um, and uh, become a really powerful advocate for whatever we do. So um, I'm always um, really keen that on those first nights, you know, they bring, you know, you get four or five members of each family coming along. And they really feel engaged in what we're doing. So when they're working during the day, they can talk to the visitors and they can feel passionate about what we're doing. And were they impressed last yeah, night? Yeah, What was the feedback? I mean, I'm sure they were. Sorry, dumb question. Yeah, what's the <laughs> yeah, feedback? Yeah, they're also then? quite biased because, of course, yeah, it's yeah. their gardens. <laughs> uh, so, and they're seeing it a different way and they're, they're seeing new things. New, what, what's wonderful is that people then are seeing their workplace in, in a different way. Yeah. You know, because they're not used to being there when it's dark and they might have favourite spots or specimens and quite often you see members of the horticultural team sort of pointing at something which you wouldn't otherwise notice. And that's obviously a member, that tree or plant might have been something they've been they're, part they're of a, in terms of plants. They're a funny bunch of horticulture teams. In oh, they really are. Yeah. Very they passionate. Are, they are. Very funny. passionate. They, they yeah. are extremely passionate and having their engagement and making sure they are part of the planning process is fundamental. You mm. can, We cannot go away and leave anything remotely affected by what we do. Especially being a palm, right? You'll cop every uh, insult. <laughs> <laughs> I'm joking. Not just the cricket. Yeah, hey, exactly. we're, we're seeing a, a global shift uh, with events at the moment in the area such as like diversity and sustainability. How are you guys going about developing your events on a global scale to implement some of these initiatives? Yeah, and again... It, it, and what it, other global trends do you believe yeah, I mean, again, it, it's country by country needs to be adapted. So we have, we work with a third party company to reduce our carbon footprint on an annual basis. The key and the starting point is to measure everything. Yeah, and to ensure. And how do you do that? Well, it, 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 it's a component, some of component parts in terms of where our carbon footprint is, and ensuring each year we're taking progressive steps to reduce it. Now. Sometimes that's easier said than done, particularly based on what equipment is available to you or what power sources you have, for example, hard power versus diesel. Um, so it, it varies significantly around the world. There, um, the most progressive partner we have would be Blenheim Palace in the UK, who will be tracking where everyone is coming from, their mileage, and then we will be offsetting with planting trees to, to, to balance our carbon footprint. Um, in other organisations, that, that's harder to do. But what we are, what we can demonstrate is that providing you turn all your lights off when you leave home and your TV, and hopefully you can come by walking or by public transport that, uh, or by bike, that your carbon footprint is less coming to our event than if you were to stay at home. Yeah, and do you think there's, a, from what you're seeing as well, any other future trends we need to be aware of as an industry that you're starting to happen to build in? In general, while where you see the direction going in terms of sustainability and carbon footprints, uh, not just even sustainability, but just in general as an industry, you know, what other future trends do we need to be aware of um, at an international level? Uh, I, I mean, I think it's the world over in terms of 
the challenges of value for money. Um, you know, disposable income world over is being affected and yeah. never, you know, so it, it's challenging because you also need to le- deliver on an annual basis, better quality. Um, and yet, and sometimes reduce price points um, to attract a, a broader audience. Have you done that before? Sure. Yeah. 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 And um, we're doing it in the UK. Um, so we're seeing a lot more pro- price variance um, lots more flexible pricing um, and again that's been uh, something we've seen in the last 12 months is that the you're off peak has had a significantly um, reduced sales to histor- historically so can we attract a new audience through through price points so we need we need to be smarter in, in what in what we do to to keep on attracting those numbers and you mentioned the quality of you know increasing that year on year. Um, I guess with the success of each event, and I'll use Melbourne as an example, you know, you did so well. Does that mean that you can invest in making sure that the technology is elevated and the experience is just that little bit better it, it, than the year before? It, yeah. The moment we don't improve every year, yeah. we've finished. Done. So we change 85 90% of what we do every year in every venue. So um, Zoe and her team at Culture Creative are thinking not just about next year now, but about year after and a year after yeah, that wow. in terms of that technology um, we're reaching out to artists all the time so um, culture creative have got over 400 global artists on their books and just searching for for new content new ideas we're reaching out all the time and you know we're prepared to play the long game and, inv- and invest in that to find you know the next big idea and I, a, a lot of what you've said in this podcast um it alludes to a question that I had made for myself about the the perception of rinse repeat. These events being a rinse repeat, which clearly is not the case, and and yeah. you have really reinforced that yeah. in this interview, um, which has been fantastic. And and I guess, do you want to touch on any of that around the perceptions of these um, programs being a rinse repeat? Clearly not, but uh, what you do around that? Every event we do has got to be designed for that venue. It's never put it in a container mm. and move it over somewhere else. The venues are different. The gardens are different. The people are different. The demographic is different. I mean, in the most extreme, as I said before, comparing Texas to Melbourne, if you swap them over, they wouldn't happen. Mm. They wouldn't go to each other. So it's, um, and it has to each year, it needs to evolve. It needs to improve um, to give people a reason to come back. We're really fortunate in the UK that we've created something which a lot of people just say is part of our annual tradition of things to do. And quite often that happens after the first year. You see on social media, this is what I do every year. And you say, well, we've only done it once. Yeah, but that's okay. That's a great result. And that, and that's it's wonderful. It's wonderful to see. Um, but that doesn't come by accident. That comes through year-long planning, Um with Culture Creative, with the venues, listening to your customer, understanding what's working. And, you know, a lot of this, when it comes to content, is subjective. You know, we try things sometimes and they're not necessarily as effective as you you would think they are. Other times you think things and the audience reacts differently to you, you would, to how you would expect. And that, that's the wonderful thing about what we do. And social media would be a, a big measure of that. Am I right in saying, and, and the I guess the... 
the outcomes of social media Huge. and positive, the Huge. positive, yeah. Huge. So we've got a full-time team just, you know, we're launching in Perth and Melbourne tonight. They're looking for comments and looking for trends yeah. all, all the time. You've got to react to it instantly. Uh, never forget uh, Q when we launched it 10 years ago. Um, Light Trail um, was fantastic, but people were saying, yeah, but it wasn't great. Why wasn't it great? Uh, our, our mold wine was not quite hot enough. <laughs> Okay. You know, so they were determining the whole event based on the fact the mold wine was at 62 degrees and not 70 degrees. I love that. That's so good. You know, it's priorities. Really? <laughs> yeah. So you just got to be on top of, a, on top of what's going on. That's attention to detail though, right? And that's what makes these programs and events such Really? Such a success, you know, yeah. if you get parking wrong, you've had it. Oh, yeah. You know, the initial experience, you get toilets wrong, you've had it. If you get the quality of um, the food and beverage wrong. It doesn't matter how good everything else is. Um, they'll say you, that you come back cool. to what you said at the start, you know, it's customer first and it's all customer experience driven. So, and if the customer touch points are not correct, it doesn't matter how good your show is, uh, you've lost them. Yeah, so you, you talked before about sort of global, you know, you're asking about global expansion and how, how we do it. That has got to be the core. You know, sometimes you can sit down in these meetings, could be corporate meetings, and it comes very theoretical very quickly. Um, or you, you worry, you know, it's too much talking about the numbers and what do they mean. And the cut, you can lose sight of the fact of why we're all here. Who's paying our mortgage? Yeah. And it's those people buying those tickets every day. So you can't, you can't understand that by sitting at your desk in London. You know, yeah. I've got to be there walking. My favourite thing is walking the trail, listening to what people are saying and seeing where they're stopping, where they're watching. Um, and I think in the events industry, if you forget your customer, you've had it. Do you yeah. look at other? And taking Sorry, some man. of that feedback on board now and, and what you do here, what are some of the future things you guys are looking at for your events, you know, that two, three years down the track that you talked about earlier that people, you know, the team starting to plan, what, what does the future yeah. look like? I mean, we're really fortunate in that we've got a format which seems to have global appeal and we're only in five countries at the moment. So at the moment... We're probably looking at another 10 countries. Uh, I mentioned Dark Spectrum before. That's really exciting for us. Um, we, you know, we've been going for 10, 10 years now, and I don't think we've touched the sides. And the, the wonderful thing about content and light artists is it's always evolving. So it's making sure that we're understanding um, what's coming up you know uh, drones is a big thing at the moment yeah i was going to mention drones. yeah wow yeah. i'd like to do drones but the challenge with drones at the moment is you can put them only put them up twice a night for seven minutes well yeah. i'm putting people through on 15 minute time slots from say 5 30 in the evening to 8 30 in the evening so i can't do something where 85 percent of the audience are not going to see it yeah mm. or could it be yeah, an elevated so that- experience or you don't want to go down that path uh, no I don't think I do. I want yeah. to concentrate on everyone yeah. coming and getting the same same experience. Um, but I'm pretty sure that technology, if you, you know, if next few years, is going to be evolving, um, and there will be ways to, ways to do it. But um, it's, and it's amazing what they do. I'd love to do it, but it, you've got you've got to do it for everyone. Yeah, true. And I mean that that's a, a, a top line. Yeah, that that's a, a truly elevated experience. Do you look at some of the smaller lighting installation shows being held or you know in whatever city or, or anywhere really and take any inspiration or ideas from that or, or do, you sure. ju- do you just focus on no you know, no no you, you, we're out there all the time you've got to go and see what else is nice. going on 
uh, I mean, it's a real challenge in the UK because people have seen what we're doing and they're a copycat events. Yeah. Literally using the same font, the same branding, Gosh, you know, which is a struggle to protect. And they will literally, you can see people walking around our trails from our competitors taking the pictures and saying, how can we create that, but in a cheaper version? Yeah. Um, so the market's got really saturated. Um, but we are, there's also some great product out there, um, particularly internationally in, in Japan, for example, in Canada. Um, so we've got to be aware of what's going on all the time. I mean, we're fortunate in that uh, um, we have long-term relationships with these venues. So in, the competition is more for what might appear on our doorstep. The only only thing we can do is just make sure we keep on getting better every year and add, you know, value for money is fundamental. Yep. You know, people on the night out, they don't want to come for half an hour. They want to come for two to three hours. They want a full evening of entertainment. And you need to make sure that you're providing them the mechanism mm. to do that. It's just not about the quick quick buck. You know, it's, we talked about the, the how hot a mulled wine is. Well, that's fundamental because you want to stay around. And, you know, it goes back to one of the funding principles of why we created this in the first place. It's not... It's not commercials first. It's not how do we extract every penny. It's I created this in the first place because I wanted families to come, spend time with each other, talking, not having to spend money while you're there, um, and seeing things you wouldn't normally see. Well, you mentioned your daughter who's here with you in Melbourne. She must get a real kick out of seeing all of these, these shows that her oh, dad's part geez. of. Oh, jeez. I'm not sure. When you say, can you come and see a light trail? Not another light trail. Oh. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I've been dragging them around for 10 years now. But I guess with all of us, how your family reacts is pretty fundamental to our motivations. Yeah, but that can be probably your best critic, right? Oh, jeez. No, no shortage of criticism. Yeah. That, that, that's for sure. And speaking about parents, one thing I want to ask is slightly related. A parent company such as Sony, does they have an impact on your development as a business through opportunities from within the group itself? Oh, absolutely. Uh, well, firstly, we can go pretty much anywhere in the world and they'll have a team there yeah. whose doors are well and truly open. So we've got, we're in the Sony Music family. We've got support from the, the top team there to go ever, wherever there's a market. That's an unbelievable basis so we don't have the complexity of trying to understand locally the legal side of things the financial side that's that's ready to go and then there's support throughout the sony family um and you talked about development you know we're working with this only electronics division of course, in terms yeah. of their technology and how we might be able to apply it so obviously we've got sony music sony pictures there's all sorts of intellectual property um, and it, it's, a, it's a very inclusive company. It's been fantastic for us. They've been very open saying they want to diversify beyond live music and so are building um, a suite of um, promoting production content partners to work with to do that. But, um, yeah, it's been fantastic and really privileged to um, be part of a, that organisation and yet have some autonomy to go essentially oh, wherever sure. we want in, yeah. in the world. So am I, am I coming to you for concert tickets from, from here on? Is that I'm pretty good. <laughs> Excellent. Actually, I've got, I've got to say one of, one of the favourite, one of my favourite artists I've ever promoted is an Australian that you probably know called Tim Minchin. 
Oh, I've oh, met, met Tim Minchin. He's a great he's legend, a good isn't, he? Lad, isn't he? Yeah, he's and he was entirely the same backstage. We couldn't get rid of him at the end of the evening. Um, he, he was great value. Fantastic. Hey, he's talking about momentum and uh, great Australian traditions. Um, we'd like to finish this up with uh, Buzz's rapid fire questions, is the segment we call it. So I'm going to hand over to my partner in crime. Buzz, uh, let's hit Johnny up with uh, what you've got today. Boys, yeah. it, this was sounding so nice and relaxed. Now suddenly it sounds like <laughs> I talked about yeah the live camera. I, I've got to tell you, um, when I went, I did my first live interview 10 years ago. It was on national TV. And the first question they said is, when is it going on till? And I missed the end date by six months. Oh, okay. oh yeah. Fortunately, I managed yeah, to laugh go. it off and said, maybe Christmas should go on until July in the UK. That's the answer to all our problems. How but was the PR on, team on that? How's it? How was the PR team on the back of that interview? And uh, I think I just about managed to dig myself out of excellent. it. But after that, <laughs> this is pretty fine. Okay. Well, I've noticed you have tensed up a little bit, but please relax. These are, <laughs> these are just short, sharp questions for the audience to get a bit more of an insight. Okay. This isn't scripted, so I'm, but who – Ashes, what's the result? Cricket Ashes for anyone listening, you know? Oh, my God. It was going so well until then. <laughs> what's the result? Oh, no. What do I want the result to be sure. versus what I, or who <laughs> I would put money on? I'm afraid I do think Australia are going to win. Good answer. I, I think it would be 3-1. Yep. Okay. I'll cop that. Uh, favorite venue to attend an event? That's like asking who's my favorite child. Anywhere in the world. We're really lucky in that we put concerts on in the Royal Albert Hall in London. That's pretty oh. spectacular. We've got the Ministry of Sound coming up with an orchestra nice. in September. We've got two shows on in one day. That's going to be pretty good. Uh, Blenheim Palace in is, I mean, I'm so privileged as I get yeah. to see some of the best venues in the world. Uh, Chicago Botanical Gardens is pretty world class, but you know what? I'm in Melbourne today, so Melbourne's my favourite. Okay, oh, there you go, <laughs> buttering us up. It's good. Now, what do your Christmas lights at home look like each year? Well, fortunately, I celebrate Hanukkah. Uh, okay, <laughs> you got all the answers here. Uh, what advice would you give 21 year old Johnny? Just stick to what you enjoy. Yep. Yeah, you know, you you can. Uh, I I was very competitive. Always wanted to climb the ladder, you know, always uh, thinking there was some sort of competition. And the moment you hopefully get a bit of maturity and realize it's not a race, mm. it's really about your own self-development and ha happiness, then you're in a good place. Love it. Uh, what's the best piece of advice that you've ever received? Ha. Uh, keep it simple. Yep. <laughs> it is. It's, get it from it's, my dad. Yeah. And the last one, uh, you got three people coming to your place. Who are they and what music are you putting on? Uh, well, I've got three kids. Yeah. <laughs> and my wife. I have four. <laughs> Two of them are twins. Okay. So does that count? Sure. And what music are you putting on? Whatever my wife wants to listen to. Oh, well. Now, come on. You've got to pick one. Pick one. If you, oh, if you no, no. If there was one, for me, Elton John. Not good. Good answer. And sorry, I do have one more that... Yeah, thank you, producer. <laughs> Vegemite or Marmite? Come off it. Are you kidding me? You're asking no. a pom that question. Of course I am, yeah. Uh, up until now, you've done brilliantly. Yeah. Your questions have been thought through So is and that mean we're not having a beer after this, is it? <laughs> Don't forget where you are at the moment. <laughs> you can go and stick your Vegemite with your ashes. <laughs> <laughs> Very good answer. Now, well done, Johnny. Well played.
nice one. Hey, Johnny, thanks for joining us on Event for Life. It's uh, been an amazing chat. You know, I think we could we could talk for hours on on this topic. It's such intrigue. It's so intriguing, but you know what you guys are doing on a global scale um, is phenomenal. Um, it's amazing to see um, such new initiatives coming into the event space in particular. But uh, for you personally, um, yeah, thank you very much for your time and joining us. And I am we guys, really appreciate I really, no, not at all. I really appreciate you going to and doing some research. You know, sometimes you're traveling the other side of the world, and you, sometimes you don't quite clock sort of what you're doing. Um, and so I really appreciate you um, taking some time to look into what we do. And are you coming? Have you got Absolutely. tickets? Absolutely. No, well, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm busy, so I, I'm waiting till the last minute to buy my ticket. But yes, I am coming. <laughs> yeah, I haven't got them yet, but I'll get home tomorrow. So <laughs> They're waiting for comps, charge and double. Oh, for sure. Now I'll pay my hard earned. But, uh, now, thanks so much, Johnny. I've really loved this chat. It's been really insightful and, and appreciate your time. Um, and I hope you enjoy the rest of your time here in Melbourne. Good luck with it all. Come on the palms. Uh, yeah. Okay. Oh, here we go. <laughs> right Thanks, mate. Cheers. Thanks for listening to an event for life. And if you like what you hear, don't forget to subscribe to listen to more episodes. I'm Brad. And I'm Shane. And this podcast is produced by EOS Creative. See you next time on an event for life.